Welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects Podcast. We're super excited today. We have a longtime friend and uh, just real fan of the show, Stephen Rose. Uh, we last spoke with Stephen, I think um, it was at Ignite in, in 2017 uh, when he was in the in the OneDrive team. And of course, you know, between now and then, a lot has changed in, in technology. We've got this pandemic. Um, but, you know, it's always great to catch up with him. He's got, got an energy that we just, you know, we struggle to, yeah, just, it's unbelievable. So really, really enjoyed this one. Um, great to be back with the team as well. It's been a- Hey, Warren, a <laughs> Chris is back. It's about time. It is about time, I know. I, you know, I think um, it's, I've missed this so much. I've missed the the show. I've missed kind of the, just the talking to folks. Um, but let, let me tell you guys, uh, burnout is is a real thing it is you know there's been so much going on over the last few months um sort of new job new city um and you can see behind me it's still really really messy here most some stuff hasn't you know well i guess you can't see any boxes so that's probably a good thing but new job new city um it's been it's been intense and you know much of it self-inflicted right i think if we think back to you know mental health and and the pandemic and how that's all weighed on us i think everyone we all thought there was going to be some sort of uh effect we were all going to feel something in some way right and and, and I, I think you know we even talked uh to anna about it in a few episodes ago right i think it was lay, laying the pipes it's right. really important to make time for your own mental health and and, and let me tell you guys i think um you, you go through the stuff you think that uh, it, it's one thing and it's, it's you know, I, I'm going to be able to, I can manage, I'm going to be in control, I'm going to be able to stop things. Um, but, but things have a way of spiraling out of control, right? So um, super happy to just be kind of on the on the downward trajectory of, of some of the crazy decisions I've made over the last uh, four or five months. Um, really happy to be back on the show and things are just kind of calming down just a little bit. So uh, yeah, glad, glad to be back and what an episode. What an episode, a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So much yeah. fun. Yeah, there's so let, some I mean, things that have been said on the episode which have not been said before on the show. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, but you know, I think one of the one of the great things about uh, talking to Stephen is that he's he's transparent about things, right? I mean, we, we talked about um, user voice. Uh, you know, I think that's been a bit of a, a bone of contention for a lot of folks um, in, in the IT pro community over the last little while since the, the announcements that Microsoft made about user voice going away, um, how important that information is, you know. So touched on user voice, touched on community and the MVP community, uh, which I thought was great and really, really good to hear about. Um, and, and, you know, just he has a way of wanting to just be involved and be um, uh uh, connected to customers, which which is just again, it shows the passion for for everything that uh, Microsoft does and, and that they're doing. So, um, really, really fun episode. I, I hope everyone enjoys it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects Podcast. And for the second time, we have the incredible Stephen Rose, and now. Anybody who knows that name, you can you can tell. I mean, you know what? There are no words to describe the influence that Stephen has had on not just the MVP community, but the Microsoft community in general. When Stephen walks into the room at Ignite, the entire thing just lights up. And when you're on stage, 
every single person listens. And we <laughs> It's because I bribed them. I bribe every person. Uh, you, you don't see me. I'm slipping five and tens all over. As soon as people are shaking hands, it's really me, like, giving them money like you would give to a maitre d' to get a good seat at the restaurant. It's, oh, it's all fun. I, I, I have nothing to do with it. That's very kind. No, you know what? I think, I think to be honest, you know, whenever it was at those conferences, you always took the time to literally sit and shake everybody's hand, obviously before COVID. And meet everybody and have a great conversation with them, whether it was in the hotel lobby, whether it was after your 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 session or whatever the case may be is. Um, you know, you always had time to sit and talk to people. Doesn't matter what you're doing or where or how. And I think that's one thing that everybody resonates with, uh, especially in the MVP community. And look, you were one, right? For oh like yeah, I was. Well, I, I was a. I was a three-time MVP, and what's great for me is, you know, I spent years not only being certified and running my own company, but I was also a technical trainer. I was an MCT for many years. I used to teach the old MCSE track, things like that. But um, getting that because it was earned by, you know, being part of community and, and helping community and doing that really meant a lot to me. I mean, Richard Campbell and and... Uh, you know, Michelle Bustamante, Daniel Legum were all involved in me helping to go down that path. And when they gave me the, you know, a, hey, thanks for, you know, the, the 20th anniversary of the program, it meant the world to me. But it was really hard giving that up when I went to Microsoft because that was a really personal thing for me. But I, I think, you know, at my core, and I tell this to people all the time at Microsoft, if you're not in some way, shape or form sitting and talking with our customers and our end users every six to eight weeks, whether it's at a conference, whether it's, you know, via social media or doing, a, you know, a customer briefing, et cetera, we're, you're missing out because you're not hearing what the real issues, what the real problems are and what we need to think about to make not just our product better, but the way people learn about our products and prepare to use our products. And that's always really been at the core of my job responsibility. So, it is the most important thing is to hear from everybody because I go, wow, I never thought, I never realized somebody was using our product like that. Mm -hmm. And that goes, opens up so many interesting opportunities and demos and things that we talk about. So it's absolutely critical to my job and I love it. I, I love hearing from folks, whether they're happy or super pissed off that something's not working right. Um, it, it, it makes change happen. We've bought companies because of feedback we got from people saying, look, you know, when I was on OneDrive, we can't use OneDrive in a VM. We're not going to move to OneDrive until you figure that out. And we bought FS Logics and yes. brought it in. And now we just announced Microsoft 365, our virtual desktop, which fully supports Exchange and it fully supports OneDrive and all those stuff. And that got driven by a lot of pissed off people. So uh, who are very respectful in telling me this. So most, not all. Um, <laughs> but but it, it was great. So yeah, it, it's, a, it's so important to me. See, I, I think, think back to when we last had you on the show, which is like, I think Ignite 2017, Nick, is that right? I think that was yeah. when, when we last, right. yeah, uh -huh. it, was, it was a little while ago. And I think one of the things, like the clear takeaways from 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 that um, episode is it was your passion for community and for working yes. on things that you like, right? But also, yeah. and I don't know if we've told the story um, sort of on air or, or recorded before, or how we actually got that set up was we had never met you before. Nick and I were just walking the hotel room lobby on our way to sessions and you were 
just eating your breakfast in one of the restaurants <laughs> and we just sat down next to you while you were eating your your bacon and eggs and we were like hey we really want to interview you on our, on our podcast and we were still i mean it was new for us at the time uh, mm-hmm. and and you didn't shoo us away you you were very kind and, yes more you know I, I dare say probably a lot more uh uh, polite than I would have been if someone had done that to me. <laughs> so, you know, again, I, uh, it's it shows, the passion shows and the fact that you'd like mm. to be sort of embraced and be embraced by the community. I, it's, it's fantastic. It's why we, we're very excited to uh, have you back on today. I love hanging out with you guys. So thanks for inviting me. It's great. Since we're talking about MVPs, I yes. know you've done a lot of stuff or people that have never seen the light of day, and I call it building a stage underneath people. And you've really gone out of your way to help. And for me, it, it shows um, a passion that you've gotten. You, you often talk about passion for product and passion to work for Microsoft. Tell us about the passion that you've got for people and, and why you would even bother to do anything for anyone else like you have. You know, uh, everybody's got to start somewhere. I mentor uh, a bunch of folks, and they're people who've walked up to me. I speak at um, one of the local colleges when they do a whole thing on, you know, tell me about your job and how do you get your job and stuff. We all have to start somewhere. And, you know, I think everybody should be approachable. If I want to learn about somebody's job, I would want to be able to walk up and say, hey, I think I want your job in the future. Tell me about it. And this is how we build, you know, how we build fans. It's all about connecting. It's all about knowing somebody. And if you know somebody or you have met somebody and they were kind and influential or they helped you and they solved the problem, you're going to think favorably about that. And at the core is I love our products. I will not work for a product that I don't like. I've had offers to do other things at Microsoft. And I'm like, I don't know that product or I'm not a huge fan of that product or it's not my biggest thing. So I'm going to go where I'm passionate. And if people want to learn more about it and want to get engaged or say, hey, can I have you for an interview or something like that? Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. I got jobs are not about being the most qualified person. They're about being the right person in the right place on the right day with the right story. It is more luck than skill for most jobs that we will all get at some point in time. But it's also about knowing people. It is your network. It is all those people you help, they'll come to you saying, hey, I heard about this or here's an opportunity and all that. So it works both ways. Um, I don't understand why people don't do more. Well, Warren seems to not be part of this. He wants to leave the show, but that's fine. <laughs> but for the I rest of us, I could no, speak for the rest it. of us. <laughs> See, well, I guess... <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say something I guess a little probably a little controversial here and and no please and bear with me here but you talk about you know being forthcoming being wanting to share uh, your knowledge experience and just be be kind to people right and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that continues to draw me to the Microsoft community right and and you know yes I've been an MVP for eight eight years now um, even if I wasn't I think that the folks that I've met the the communities and the you know the, just generally everyone around the community is so welcoming that it doesn't it doesn't really matter right whether you are or not an MVP mm-hmm. everyone is uh, happy to share information I mean we look at tech community and just how active it is I think those are all testaments to the fact that this community is just very um, uh, inclusive and, and and likes to embrace people whether you're new to the mm-hmm. to you know to the industry or whether you're a twenty year veteran it doesn't matter 
I, I agree. Yeah, I and think everybody everybody has a pain point on something that they've done. I yeah. did this, and I wish I could share with others, or I yeah. want to learn what the pain points are before I do it. Yeah. And I think our community, especially, is very good about sharing that stuff so that people can figure out, yeah. ah, now I don't have to go through that pain or, you know, et cetera. So, and and yeah. I think that's where we started was the format, right? Here's something mm. I've fought with. Uh, let me put it out there so that people, someone else doesn't have to 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 struggle with that or battle that again. Um, and in many instances, I mean, you, you know, yes, we're MVPs now, but we weren't always MVPs. And, and you know, we, we did this type of thing because it's a community thing, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the, the controversial part of what I, <laughs> where I'm going with this is that um, over the years, over the last few years, my, my role has been a little bit more security focused. Mm -hmm. And I've been um, kind of a little bit more uh, involved, if you will, paid more attention to the, the InfoSec communities that are out there. And I just don't get that feeling or that sense from them. You know, there's a sense of old, the old guard there. And mm. you know, if you're not a 30 year infosec veteran, then you have no place here. Right. Let's be mm. real people. Like this is not, this is not how the, the world works anymore. Um, yeah. And, and I felt that people are, like, there's so much sort of everyone protects their information and their IP yeah. and, and the, yeah. it's completely the opposite to what we've experienced in the Microsoft community. And that's one of the reasons why I, I mean, I'm, I'm super passionate, obviously, about Microsoft and, and, and everything Microsoft does, but it's one of the reasons why I continue to be drawn back into the Microsoft community is because um, it's a community like no other. And I just feel like very often we don't give credit uh, where credit is due and people don't quite understand what we have, right? Because mm. as they say, like, you don't know what, you, what you've got until it's gone, right? And, yes. and, and it, it takes a little bit of, and so this was just an appreciation, a shout out to, I guess, everyone in the community, MVP, not MVP, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, all the folks behind the scenes that are, yeah. that are making it happen. Um, people like yourself, Stephen, who, who just put in the effort, right? Not expecting anything in return. I mean, it's, it's, it's massive for us uh, and it's a very large part of our lives. No, I, hey, I wouldn't be here today if I had not become an MVP. I would not have gotten my job at Microsoft. I was asked to do a virtual roundtable with Gabe All and Mark Rusinovich because I had figured out ways to optimize Vista and really get it to be a great operating system. Now, it was Surface Pack 2 where we solved a lot of the issues with Vista. And Vista was actually, by the time we got to Service Pack 2, a pretty good operating system, but mm. it just got screwed up with the first Service Pack and the first release, and it wasn't very good. But it was because I was an MVP and doing this talk and talking about how to optimize it and 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 get all this stuff to work because I was an MVP that people said, hey, we should get you on this. So, it, it, you know, I, I remember that and how important that was to me that somebody gave me a chance to do that and what it led to. And Everybody should do that. And there's so many great, passionate people. We were talking about Martina Grom, who's, you know, she's just awesome and so deeply involved. Jessica Dean, Daniel Egan, all these folks that I've worked with and known for years are all about how can I share what's in my brain with you to make your life yeah. better. And uh, and it's great. It's it's not me by any sense of the imagination. There were so many people and people like Lori Potmeyer, who helped to manage the program, mm -hmm. Anna Chu and all those folks at the top. And they all get it. Um, and that's and it's just great. It's what can we do to help all of you make your jobs better? So if you've not visited tech community and things along that line, which is such a great place to go to get your answers done. If you've not gone to docs and seen all the comments and stuff that our own MVPs and other experts have written, you're missing out because there's so much great content that our community provides and, and helps to support our products. We, we couldn't do it without all of you. That's for sure. And you know, like something 
so I had to do a presentation for a customer the other day. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, it was around open source, right? And how there's, Microsoft has just done a complete 360 degree turnaround when it comes to open source and how we can, well, I say we, because how, how we contribute to open source and how, I mean, if you have to look at the amount of open source and we built an entire framework mm -hmm. around, please help yeah. and do what it is that you do best mm -hmm. in the community, contribute to the software and it will take care of the rest. Right. Yeah. As far as legalities are concerned and writing up bits and pieces, and all that sort of stuff. It's like if you feel like PowerShell should have something inside of it, just go and put it there and then yeah. you know, <laughs> prove it. And I mean, if you have to look at that, right, that's that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Well, I mean, J Jeffrey Snover, who is a yeah. friend of mine, absolutely gets it when it comes to PowerShell. And so does Sacha. Sacha said, look, this is. This is not the way that we need to go. We need to do this. And he said very early, we are going to embrace open source. And people went, yeah, sure. Now you go on the Windows Store and you can download Ubuntu for your system and have it running within a matter of seconds as a Windows Store app. So, mm, yeah, like, yeah. you know, without even having to go in and do the ad remove for the Linux subsystem. So, you know, that GitHub, I think the company has really shown its support for that, much to the surprise of many people, and mm -hmm. has really done what, you know, listened to our, our users and said, hey, we need a place to drop our code. We want to do more open source. We want to be able to plug into frameworks like Teams and things like that with our own apps and do that and bring more intelligence or more, or more security to the product. How can we, you know, use this mix and match of this security with this and that and have it all work through Windows? And I think that we've done some some really great work there. And a lot of that really goes to Sacha's mindset and that really starting at the top and working its way down. I think that yeah. that's critical because usually it's a bottom up for things like that. Can we talk about users and user voice and where on earth did user voice go? Because we talk about listening to users and then we take user voice away. Yeah, it's not going away. It's being renamed. I don't know what the new name of it is yet, but they're they're revamping the whole thing. User voice is incredibly important. And I'll give you um, a real world example on how it was used back when I was on the OneDrive team. So once a month, we would sit down in a room. It would be the our the head of each of the engineering teams, so mobile, desktop, et cetera, myself. Um, and we would take a look at all of the user voice items that had more than a thousand votes. Mm. And we would decide at this point to say, hey, we're considering it, we're doing this, it's in progress, we're not gonna do it, or maybe not at this time. And we would answer those as they would get above that. User voice, if you kind of look at, you know, we take user voice, we take what we hear from our customers directly via um, our engagements, uh, chatting with our largest companies. We, we have TAP programs and a variety of programs where our customers can get access to preview builds and give us feedback. And they come, they used to come before COVID to campus once or twice a year and talk. And we'd go out for deployments, CDAC and things like that. And we'd take all of that, plus what we saw in the forums and tech community and go, hi, here's our top issues. Now, the thing to remember is engineering is a piece of string, how many resources and people, which means if we pull it this way to do something that we had not planned to, something's got to fall off because there's only so much we can do. So they would kind of put things in two columns. These are evolution. These are features we want to make better, features we want to fix, things that are help us 
catch up to a competitive customer or give us a competitive edge. And then there were revolutionary. These are things that no one else is doing or is going to dramatically change the product or how it works or something that no one is expecting. And they would balance that. Then they take a look at all that. And that's this, what our, this is for the next 12 months, what our priorities are. And they're constantly being, you know, eked, but it is tech community. It's all of those things sort of put together. And there's different weights on these depending on what those features are. But that really sort of sets as we take what we think people want and what people actually want and you bring that together. That really helps to set what the engineering charter is. And that is what drives, um, you know, our change in our products and what we're going to do. So and, you know, people, well, you know, there are a thousand people who voted for it. How come we can't do it? there's a lot of different reasons. It's we don't have the resources. It's something that we're going to work on later, but there are three things we have to do before that to make that work the way that we want it to. Or sometimes I've even heard from people like, you know, how come you're not doing this? And I explain, they go, well, we do this. You know, we're, we're a school and we give every teacher and every student a private chat thing and we can only support 250 across 30 groups. Well, that's a unique situation. I understand why you don't have that, but this is sort of our best practice around that. And 95% of our customers fit here. I understand this is really important to you, 5%, but we also have to take a look at what's gonna help the majority of customers um, with things rather than that one or 2% where that would be great, but that's a lot of time spent to not move the product forward and help a lot of people. So that's also what is our biggest bang for the buck. Mm. Which also leads leads to the opposite side of the question, right? Is what about f feature fatigue? Or like yeah. we've seen that come up a lot, right? Where there's most companies who can't keep up with the changes, and there's a lot of them that won't even turn them on because they have no idea what the repercussions are going to be. Yeah. So you've got like two sides of the coin here, right? So yes, what do we slow down? <laughs> or, um, you know, yeah, I I, I think. There are, I think there are several things here. Yes, it is hard. We do come out with a lot of stuff because, again, we're trying to do all those things that people say. And although only one of those 10 things that we're releasing in the next 90 days is something that you want, other people want the other ones. But that's why it's so important for any customer to have a, you know, a, a pilot that has a group, a small group of users who are part of that insider ring. And they are using that first and testing it and seeing what's happening. So you have your lab, then it goes to the small group of people who start to use it and start to figure it out, hey, this is really great. This isn't important. Then you move to our enterprise ring where more people get it. I think the problem is, is they don't have an internal testing. They're not part of insider or any of those that are getting those builds early, seeing it and then able to say to people, it's not gonna change the way you work. There are five features coming out. Here's a really cool one. Like, 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 um, like present in teams. Present in teams is huge in PowerPoint. Why? Because the amount of bandwidth you use when you click that to present your deck is this much compared to how much you use when you're sharing your screen, which is this much. So saying to folks, hey, this is now available. This is going to make it better and give you better quality when you're presenting your decks. You're going to want to check this out. There are three other buttons. You're welcome to play with them, but this is what they do. Don't worry about it. But that's because people have used it and they've already seen it internally and done that. So I think a, a lot of that is that. I think the other thing is, yes, there is a lot. And if we go slower, maybe we're making this person happy in that area, but they're not getting all these other things that they really want and need. So it, it's hard to do that. options to turn them on and off, right? And there are, absolutely. You can go into Admin Center and you can turn off most features. There are a few that, that you can't. But... 
you know, for end users, you can say, look, I don't want to let these folks in, or I do want to let it in, or I don't want to allow chat, or nobody can have video. And you can say, look, as a company, this is our predetermined, so this is how it works for everybody. Or you can all say, look, individuals can go in and make the choices for themselves. But I think a good portion of that is keeping is trying to keep up on that and having a person who is making people aware, hey, here is this new feature. And if that mm -hmm. doesn't work for you, boom, let us know and we'll turn it off. So again, it's that early testing and being in those insiders. Like I'm running Windows 11. If you don't have a bunch of PCs currently running Windows 11 and running our insider builds of Office and you're testing that and having your kind of key folks using that, you're missing out on a really great opportunity to really kind of see how these changes are going to affect your organization. I think it's, that's a very, you know, you touch on a point that we, I think, have echoed so many times on the show, right, is that you can't uh, adopt these kind of modern cloud services using old school legacy IT yeah. principles, right, and, and, and management principles. You have to be a little bit more agile as a business, your, your culture for change, all of that stuff has to also follow suit with the technology. And I think, unfortunately, yeah. that's where a lot of organizations get stuck is they're trying to be the latest and greatest on the tech side, but they refuse to budge or for whatever reason they can't budge, um, you know, on the cultural side. And it changes and it, it, it's, they struggle to keep up. You know, we've, yeah. we've seen great success uh, with organizations where they have dedicated sort of change management for the service, right? You're a product owner for M365 your job is to basically know everything that is hot and happening in M365. You don't have to configure it all. You just need to understand what the feature is, when it's coming in, what it's going to, what it brings right. to our organization, right? And then you can champion that feature into production if you feel like it's going to add value. Those types of roles, I think, are super important in organizations today. And if you don't have them, like you said, you're missing out on a lot. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting because. People have no problem accepting that with their personal services, with personal email, with their phones, mm -hmm. constantly having new features, new functionality that's coming up. And they embrace it. They go, oh, it's great. I got the new Android built and it now does this and that. But yet they look at business software. You're exactly right, Chris, with that older sort of view of, no, it's got to be tested and make sure and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. We have millions of people who have tested this stuff before it gets to you because mm -hmm. we've dog fooded it internally. We have a ton of customers that are dog fooding it, that are doing it long before it gets to insider and preview before it ever hits that enterprise ring. So we've done a lot of that for you and we have to. But again, if, if, you're, if it's that, then why are you still using a browser that updates its feature or so a phone or these things and not having that same sort of reaction? This is our new norm. It's not, we're gonna update OSs once every three years and update Office four times a year and do this. That's old IT. And the problem is you're going to miss out on features and functionality that your end users want. And here's the thing. They're not going to wait for it. They're going to go get it. Mm -hmm. We took a look at how many companies just said, hey, I need to wear it. Wait, you, you're not allowing me to share files via email. So I just went out and got a Google Drive and just dropped it in there. Mm -hmm. And you now you have no security because it's not about securing the device. It's about securing and managing the data. That's really at the core. So People are going to find ways to do this stuff. So it's your job to really, as the IT pro administrator, say, hey, this is coming. Here's what's going to make it better. Here's some risks. Here's how we're going to mitigate them. Here we go. And that's got to be your job. And hopefully companies are giving, and I know they're not administrators, enough time to play with this stuff and read through it and really understand it. And I think that's, that's part of it is on top of all the other stuff that if you can get to a decent point, you can move to be more proactive than being reactive once you start to embrace this. And mm -hmm. I think... That's a key point of it. And you're exactly right, Warren. 
Yeah, you can't you can't underestimate users' ability to find the path of least resistance, right? They are gonna <laughs> <Yes>. absolutely <laughs> they're like they're like rainwater, they're gonna find a way. Um, but also if if it becomes too much of a problem and it's too disruptive, they're gonna go somewhere else, right? Yeah. Like there's a bigger, there's a bigger sort of talent acquisition and retention conversation to be had here now. I think certainly in today's age, like it's great understanding the role and the culture of the company and blah, 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 your paycheck. But what technology am I going to use, right? Like if I if I'm yeah. going to be stuck in the '80s with the tech that I'm supposed to be productive on, that's not a great environment for me. I'm not going to want to be there. Yeah, you hit on a really interesting point, and and here's something to think about. We, for the first time ever in history, we have four generations of users in our workplace. Mm-hmm. We have, the, I mean, we do. We have the last of the boomers who were all about. I have a big. PC sitting here and my monitor and everything was on that PC and I got to remember to back it up. Then we have yeah. the next generation that's like, yeah, I mostly use desktop apps, but I like some web apps, but I'm good at starting to you know, leverage the cloud. Then you have that next generation, which is like, hey, I was born in the cloud. I'm used to Google Docs and M365 and OneDrive and everything being in the cloud. And now you have the latest generation that says, look, this is just a way to get to my stuff in the cloud. There's no difference between this and a PC and an iPad and a tablet or anything else. But what's even more so is they go, email, that's how I find out that there's donuts in the break room. Email's too slow. I, I use chat, whether it's Teams, Slack, IM, you know, uh, whatever it is that, that you're using, because I'll ask a question, I get an answer back, and I can move on to the next thing. I also want to be able to work from anywhere on any device the way that I want. And you've got to make that happen. And for companies that want to keep these amazing new employees that are so versatile and that are really sort of the future, if you have not embraced that, if you're not letting them work from a Starbucks off a, off a Mac um, and feel that it's fully secured and allowing them to do what they want because everything is in the cloud and all that's on it is a browser, then you're not really understanding your end users and you're not going to be able to keep that great talent if you're going to say, yeah, you've got to use a desktop app and God forbid you're still using PSTs and you got to do backups and all this. If you haven't even turned on OneDrive folder redirection, it's like, what are you doing? How come you're not creating that? Because that stuff, yeah, it, I should be able to move seamlessly between. And I've got a Mac, I've got a PC, I've got all that stuff. I can move between them and, and work seamlessly from any of them now. Which is pretty cool about, so obviously it's really new now, but I think it's it's super awesome, the word cloud PC. I mean, just yeah. the word, just the word cloud PC. And the fact that you can just run this PC, it's like taking those four generations and like merging them into one. It's like, yeah. you can still have your PC, you can still have the desktop, you can still have all that cool stuff, but it's not... Physical, it's not here. Right. You don't actually have to back it up anymore. I mean, it's like, right. uh, it's insane. I mean, there's like, it's gone are the days where you reformat your computer or whatever the case may be is, right? I mean, you want to clean it up. All you do is you just click the button and then poof, you've got a yeah. new one. Well, we, well, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we've taken remote desktop, which then went to Windows yeah. virtual desktop and taken it to the next logical, which is why not give you your Windows and all the things that are important and sync it and add Office to that and just do it as a service, and that's what you give to everybody. And I love it because I've got an iPad with with a keyboard. I bring yeah. it up, and I'm working yeah. in Windows 
10 or 11 off my iPad, and that just blows people away. Yeah, and they're like, how are you doing that? Is that Windows? And I'm like, yeah. And I've got the little mouse and keyboard. I have the magic keyboard, and it works great. Mm. <laughs> See, I'm a man. I mean, my here. iPad now great for business yeah. and good for personal. I can do both on it, but not even have to be in the same space or do them simultaneously. Exactly. I have my Windows instance here, and yeah, it that and that that, that that's again giving that flexibility, which is something we've talked about. You know, Nicholas that. We want to, again, it's about securing the data, not the device. And we've been talking about this for years. This really takes it to that whole next level. Yeah, the point I was going to make is I'm, I'm a Mac user. And the thing that I still struggle with is Visio. Uh, this, is a, <laughs> this is a great, it's, it's the one thing. It's it's the one thing that yeah. I, you know, still um, struggle with. And this is a great way to, to, to solve that, you know. Um, yeah, that yeah without having to go to Parallels or Dual Boot or any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. you just go to a web address. There's your desktop. There's Visio. Click, you work in it, you save the file there, and it's automatically in OneDrive, so it's now on every device you bring it up, you go. So, what's yeah, I mean, no, no, what's go ahead. Favorite, what's your favorite feature that has been released, let's say, or not not necessarily feature, but let's say product two, since, yeah, like, let's say since the pandemic. So let's say the last two years or so. What do you think has been one of those things that has made the biggest impact um, with regards to, your, your personal experience. Yeah. Um, you know, Teams at its core has probably been one of the most important because we've gone from sitting in meetings and working on our email to mm -hmm. now looking at each other, engaging with each other on a very different level, using emojis and thumbs up and, and things like that as we talk and discuss, um, setting up meetings. We have a meeting three times a week, um, our team, for... 15 minutes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just how are you doing? How are things going? How was your weekend? So the way that we communicate, and for me, it was reaching out to a lot of my friends, especially early in the pandemic, saying, I want to get a chat with you mm. on the books every two months, just to check in and see how things are going, just to stay close. So I think people embrace this very quickly, and it was great, whether they're using Zoom, whether they're using Teams, doesn't matter that people went, I want to be able to see people, I want to engage with them, and I want to work this way. And watching people turn on their cameras, be engaged, um, and all that, I think was so incredible because it, it really brought collaboration to a new and different level where the playing field was even. I think it's also now been set up where it's so hard now for companies to say, no, you cannot be a remote worker and still be and have the benefit and impact that we have. And I think that's something even at Microsoft, we're like, yeah, you can work at Corp, but unless you're there in Redmond, it's going to be really hard. And I think now we look at those people dialing in for a virtual meeting differently. And the people that are not in the room, as we look at diversity and inclusion, we kind of look at them on those on a different level. And how do we get those folks involved and how do we make them part of that? So I think how we've worked, how we will continue to work and where we work from will change. But I think our mindset around that has probably been the best thing that's come out of the pandemic. And it's changed the way that we look at working remote and working from home and being accepting of kids in the background and dogs or people who just moved into their house and can't find things or whatever that is. Like, you know, like, like Chris, Chris is like, you're talking about me. What? <laughs> so all of that, but I, we're far. Yeah. I, I, th I think we're in a much better space for that. And I think we've all sat back and, and I, I would certainly hope so that we've all now look at that a little bit differently. So I think mm. that's probably my biggest takeaway. I'd like to, um, 
to segue into slightly more the, the security space. And honestly, one of my favorite features that we can do with Office 365, which is an Office 365 wide feature, and that's multi-geo. Yeah. What are we doing with Teams and data location? We just GA Teams multi-geo last week, which is great. That's something that we announced at Ignite that that was going to be coming. It's now GA, which is great. Meetings, uh, great thing is meeting recordings are now stored in, in OneDrive. So that's already been moved over. Or we can keep them in stream if that's what you want to do. It's up to you where you put it. But multi-geo for Teams has been a really big thing. It's, it's great to have private chats and all of that, but we really need multi-geo, and that's now available. So there's a bunch more things coming um, that we'll have before Ignite around security, but that, that's that been a really big one. So I'm excited that that's finally hit GA and that folks can start to leverage that today. That's super cool. Uh, I like mm -hmm. the fact that we are able to move Teams data to wherever it needs to be, which has been, yeah. frankly, a, a bit of a block customers who were headquartered in one part of the world and that precluded them from having their data in the part of the world where they needed to be. So this is fantastic. Yeah, or, or required it to be via GDPR regulations and yeah. things like that, especially in Germany and France and countries like that where that's very strict. So yeah, I'm super happy about that and glad that we finally got that out the door. There's a bunch of really great security features that we've done over the past year, but that's a big one when we talk about what customers are asking for. That's been a really huge one that we finally prioritized and got out the door. So, mm, mm. so um, I don't want to take anything away from this show, but we believe that there's this other little show that you like doing. And would you mind telling us about that? Yeah, I do a show called uh, Inside Microsoft Teams, and uh, we're just about to start our fourth season. Matter of fact, I'll tell you here, exclusive, my first guest is going to be Jeremy Chapman who I've known for so many years, and he's a great friend of mine, and we're going to do a show about our favorite Teams features. So we're actually going to meet today and start to discuss that. That'll be on in about two, three weeks. Um, but it's at aka.ms slash inside MS Teams. Um, but last season, I think we really kind of hit our stride. The first two seasons, we really kind of looked at a lot of Microsoft people and MVPs on mm -hmm. tell us more about this feature and what we're doing. And last season, I decided to go in a different direction, which is I want to sit down with customers mm -hmm. and talk to them about their plan, deploy, manage, secure, adopt around teams and what they learned from it and what worked well and what didn't. And we had guests like Lego Systems, uh, my friends up in uh, Denmark, who did an amazing job. We had AEG, uh, which is a company that owns a lot of sports teams and franchises, and they own the O2 Arena and things like that. Uh, I had uh, Mainstream Renewable Power, which is a company out of Ireland that has done an amazing job and will pretty much power all of France via wind and solar within the next two years. Um, I had the Susquehanna School District, which had created an amazing uh, remote experience for their classroom using uh, the wide cameras and the magic whiteboard and zoom in cameras. But what's great is as they've moved to hybrid, they're able to continue to teach remotely, but also use those cameras in class so that it's as if you're standing right like in a science class right there at the desk to see the close up of the molecule and what folks are doing, which is so much better for a lot of students that have learning issues when they can see up close and see what's going on from the back of the room. It really makes it a more inclusive. So that was a few of the customers that we had on. Um, we're chatting with some really exciting customers for this upcoming season. We're chatting with Starbucks. We're going to have a major sports franchise on. I can't say who yet. Um, and customers like that who are going to continue to tell their story. So um, 
I'm, I'm excited to see what this season will bring and more. Here's how we did it. Here's what we learned from it. Here's what you don't want to do. Here's some best practices, like how do we prevent team sprawl or what's your thoughts around how we lock this down or what are great ways that we can use to deploy things and stuff along that line. So um, that, that that's what folks will continue to see. And if folks are missing something, we do it. And we're also going to do an MVP demo fest. I want to do one show dedicated to nothing but MVPs demoing their favorite features. So right. I'll be making a, a call out for that in the next week or two and ask folks to send them what they would want to do a demo on and then send me a three to four minute, three to five minute demo. We'll package mm -hmm. them up. We'll do them in the show. So very cool. That that's, a, that's such a unique uh, perspective, right? Getting customers to talk about things. Cause I think, you know, there are different show formats and we like to kind of keep away from being a new show, right? We like to talk right. about the people and, and, and what people are passionate about. And of course the technology, cause that's what people are interested in, but we try to not, not just be reading the news, right? Yeah. Um, but, but having the customer perspective, that is super unique. So, you know, to any of the listeners who are, who are kind of listening to this right now, um, especially if you're interested in teams, if your organization is kind of adopting teams or going down that path, that is a, a you know, a great resource, I think, um, for, for sharing learnings and stuff like that. So, be sure to check it yeah. out. How, how do they find? Oh, you've already given the the. the I did, but yeah, I, I just want to say the key thing for me is when I looked at a lot of our internal ones, they were wide teams, and that's super marketing and salesy, and that's not what I want. Or here's our latest features. I really wanted to do how. How do we do it? That's great. We're already on board. We want to do it. How do we solve this? Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. There's obviously, you know, we think our show's a good resource for that. Tech community is an amazing resource. And if you're not reading the team's blog, where at the end of the month, we talk about all the new features that have been released and all the new stuff that's out there. And you can read what our community is saying. And then the last thing is docs.microsoft.com, which mm -hmm. um, my team, we sat down uh, last year and said for February, March, for the Ignite in the spring, we wanted to just completely um, redo it. And now it's set up by plan. Adopt as your second phase. Before you deploy, you mm -hmm. need to look at how your company is going to adopt this and all the adoption mm -hmm. tools and got to get them on board. Otherwise, you're going to deploy it. Nobody's going to use it. And then deploy, manage, and secure. And by doing that, We've seen huge uptake and a lot of folks now finding what they're looking for. So we think if you go to the main, if you go to docs.microsoft.com and click on Teams, that landing page, you're going to find what you're looking for a whole lot more quickly. And I think you'll find the information is a lot better than it was a year ago. So those are those are some of the things that we've worked on to make that easy. And I'd love to hear if there's more people can catch me on Twitter and say, hey, can't find this or missing this. Uh, we are, we're also working on a whole thing on how to use... Um, uh, you know, OBS and uh, and NDI tools. We're gonna we have a, we're updating those articles, and there's a lot of stuff. But if you're not finding what you're looking for, let us know, and we'll talk about it in one of our weekly meetings. Love that. Uh, it's very sad. We we want to talk more, but we're coming to the top of the show, and I feel like we could do another hour. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> could we? We could. we could. Could we ask you? How do you want to be found and how do people find you? Um, Twitter is absolutely the best way. And, you know, I am really good about following people back. And if you have a question to ask, I know you and I were chatting before. Um, this guy from India just reached out and said, hey, I do a show on people's jobs and how they get them. Would you be willing to be on my show? And I said, yeah. And we had a great conversation talking about what it's like to work at Microsoft and how to get in. So I 
that's a great way for people to reach me. And if it's something that's deeper where we need to have some email conversations or go back and forth, then I'll give you my email. Mm -hmm. But I get so much email as it is. It's really hard mm -hmm. where Twitter, I'll look at it once or twice a day and, and do that. So that's probably the best way or go to our show page and there's ways to contact me or go to one of our shows and ask the question during our show and I'll answer it. So, that was or you can show up at my door with gifts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that always works really Super nicely. Alert. Copies. You did a great show with the young gentleman. He was at Smart Cherries T H O. Yeah, and it it was was a fantastic show. And it's in your feed if anyone's looking for it. It's worth the twenty five uh, minutes of the watch. Definitely recommend that. Uh, it's not quite as good as our show. I feel like we've got no. a slightly better one. Going. <laughs> After my own show, this is my second favorite. The uh, admin developer. Whatever the name of the show is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, on. I do. I, I keep it on the shows that all of you guys, there's about six of you whose shows I actually check out, and then there's a, there's a good topic. I go, hey, I'll listen to that when I'm driving. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I have listened to your show a few times, and I do enjoy it. You guys do a great job. Stunning. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate mm. that. I give it a double thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stephen, it's been magical having you back on, and uh, we will have you back on again. So thank you. No, my pleasure. Let's do it sooner. Let's not wait four years to do it again. Yeah, fair enough. I think, that, <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I mean, we yeah. you know, I don't know that we're going to be any super close to anything in person again for at least the end of this year. So yeah, we'll do, do something remotely again. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think my live stuff. I think Tech Mentor. Um, I'll do in person. That'll be in November. Uh, I don't know about Ignite yet. We haven't talked about it internally, so I don't know if it's going to be an in-person or hybrid or how we're going to do it, but I'm hoping it's a hybrid event because I'd love to get back out and mm -hmm. see people and sure. enjoy. At the Hyatt in Orlando, there's mm. this cafe there, the one that, that that we were at, and they have the best hash browns. So I like getting my oatmeal and bacon and those hash browns in the morning. The guy that makes them has been there for 20 years. And they're the best hash browns you've ever had. They're mm. thick and he does a really good job. So I'm missing mm. some hash browns. So, and just mm. people bugging me during food. breakfast and joining me and having a great meal. So. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. And drinks with friends. Yes, absolutely. We need to get together and have a beer. So that would be awesome. So thanks again, guys. If there's anything I can do to promote your show, let me know. Check out our show. And um, yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity to chat about what's important to uh, our customers. Yeah, always. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say. At the Cloud Arc.